Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Brothers and sisters, welcome. I am pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. And it is a special joy to welcome you today to our time of prayer. Today is the National Day of Remembrance for Unborn Children. And the reading actually that's assigned for today is very appropriate for this occasion. And I'll show you how that's true. This is a day that um, years ago I thought about uh, starting and uh, with the help of friends and colleagues in the pro-life movement was able to start as a national observance. I said, why don't we go to the places where these aborted babies are buried and remember them in that particular way? Uh, and uh, so it happened and people are doing it and some of you I'm sure are involved in doing uh, these services today if you're not at an actual service at one of these grave sites. You could certainly participate right here and now as we pray together and reflect about the power of this. Uh, and I thank you in advance for uh, your participation. As always, leave your prayer comments, uh, your prayer requests in the comments. We'll all pray for one another. But let's remember the unborn today. Let's remember the aborted, buried in many places throughout the country. And let's turn our minds to them and our hearts towards uh, advocating for them that, that uh, those like them now in the womb, living in the womb, will be spared the uh, violence of abortion. Let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we do remember. Today we remember our brothers and sisters who were aborted. Today we remember by thinking of them, praying in regard to them, going to the places where some of them are buried, and resolving that we would protect the lives of those yet in the womb. Lord, we come before you repenting of our sins, especially if we have had any, any failure at all in the area of respecting or defending life, is defending the unborn, speaking up for them, getting involved in stopping abortions. Forgive all those who have been guilty of abortion in any way. Forgive us, Lord, of the guilt of any other sin. Receive the prayers of your people today, and may we understand your word of life and the duties it bestows on us in regard to life. We pray through the author of life and the conqueror of death, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, you were once alienated and hostile in mind because of evil deeds. God has now reconciled you in the fleshly body of Christ through his death to present you holy, without blemish, and irreproachable before him, provided that you persevere in the faith, firmly grounded, stable, and not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, am a minister. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Brothers and sisters, the human body matters. The human body is an aspect of who we are. It's not a possession that we have. If somebody touches your, your toe, your ankle, your wrist, you say that they are touching you. You can also say, you know, they're touching your wrist or touching your toe, but that's a specification of where they are touching you. You don't just think of it as they're touching my body, they're touching you. Who are we? Are we spirits who are using a body? Are we bodies that are using a spirit? Or are we, as human beings, a unity of body and soul? That's what the Christian teaching is. That we are a unity of body and soul. We are just as much the body of our soul as we are the soul of our body. To think that we are just a spirit who's using a body like a driver uses a car is a heresy. And it's gone under various names, dualism being one of them. And so we look at material things, we look at material things including our bodies as just things. But when it comes to the human body, it's, it's, it's an aspect of the person. It's personal. It's sacred. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a reflection of the image of God. When Scripture says, and when we proclaim in our pro-life teaching that we're made in the image of God, that doesn't just refer to us spiritually. It refers also to the human body, which we are. Not just which we have, which we are. Now, why is this so important? You know, I've related to you before and included in many of my pro-life talks the uh, uh, objection that I heard from someone I was counseling who was tempted to have an abortion. And uh, she said, well, I know that this is a child. And I know that God gave me the child. But I'm not ready. So I'm going to give the child back to God. I'm going to give the child back to God? No, you're not. You're going to kill the child. Giving the child back to God sounds like you think it's just the spirit of the child because what's going to happen to that body is very, very clear. That body's going to be thrown in the medical waste. I'm giving the child back to God. You're not taking account of the fact that the body is just as much the child as is the soul. I was also talking with an abortionist, and I've shared this story many times, Martin Haskell, who wrote the medical paper that made partial birth abortion known to the American people back in the early to mid-90s. And I actually talked to him on the phone, and uh, I said, well, I said, uh, you know, uh, how do you justify doing this procedure? You know, this is a procedure whereby the baby is partially delivered. That's why it's called partial birth. It's par baby is partially delivered and then killed. And then the delivery is completed. And he said to me, I know it's a child. He said, but the question in my mind is, when does the child receive a soul? 
I don't know if that baby has a soul. And then I said to him, well, so what? Do you know if a newborn has a soul? And if not, does that give you the right to kill the newborn? Do you know that I have a soul? If you're not sure, does that give you the right to kill me? Of course not. What matters is the fact that you see that person alive, and you see the person alive because of the person's body. And so you have to respect that person by respecting that body, not pretending that the person is just a spirit that somehow will be safely delivered back to God while you chop the body apart and throw it in the medical waste. Respect for human persons requires respect for their bodies. That's the point. Now, when we're working on restoring a culture of life, we're working on restoring respect for the body, as well as for the soul. And this is true and is, if you will, emphasized with a supernatural exclamation point by the way in which God saves us. Not just by the way in which He created us, which we've been reflecting on here, body and soul unity, but the way that He redeems us. And that's where today's reading comes in, because Paul says to the Colossians, you were redeemed, you were reconciled in what? In the Spirit of Christ? Well, he doesn't say that here in this passage. You were redeemed and reconciled in the, does he say the will of Christ? In the plan of Christ? In the concept of Christ? He doesn't say any of those things. In the fleshly body of Christ. That's how he reconciled us. God took on flesh. He assumed a human nature. He created a human body and he said, this is mine. You know, when he created Adam and Eve, he created a human body and he said, this is yours. He creates Moses. This, is, this body is yours. He creates you and me. He makes a body and he says, this is yours. He creates a human body at the conception of Christ and he says, this is mine. Literally mine. I am now existing in a human nature. And through that fleshly body and the blood that was shed on the cross, he made a sacrifice to God that reconciles us to God and then makes it possible for us to be members of his body, the church. In the fleshly body of Christ, Paul puts an emphasis on that. He doesn't even just say in the body of Christ. In the flesh. The flesh of our unborn brothers and sisters is a manifestation of the will of God. It's an expression of the glory of God. It's the, it's the image of God. And when that flesh is torn to pieces by the knife of the abortionist, by the suction tube of the abortionist, and then literally thrown out in the medical waste, that is an offense against God. And that's something that cannot pass by our attention. We are in the business of saving those bodies. Don't over-spiritualize the pro-life effort. Yes, it's about converting minds and hearts. Yes, it's about saving the souls of these moms and dads and grandparents and friends and abortionists who who commit the terrible crime, the unspeakable sin of abortion. But it's about saving bodies. Now, I've stood in front of a 
medical waste truck that pulled up in front of one of the abortion facilities I was praying in front of one day. It's happened to me more than once. I stood in front of that medical waste truck, asked the driver if I could take these bodies to bury them. He would not do so. But when he went inside to get more of these bodies, I extended my hand in a prayer of blessing over those bodies that were in that truck. He was going from one abortion facility to another, taking the dismembered arms and legs, taking the decapitated heads to wherever they were going to be disposed of. Sometimes they're just incinerated. Dr. George Tiller, abortionist George Tiller in Wichita, Kansas, in his abortion facility, he had an incinerator. And you could see the, the chimney, the smoke coming out when he would burn the babies. And Laura Tivis was a worker in that facility who left, who became pro-life, and who wrote in her testimony that from her office down the hallway, she wrote, quote, I could smell the babies burning. Children in Milwaukee years ago were throwing things off a bridge, and when the police came to inquire as to what was going on and what they were throwing, they said, little people. They had stumbled across the, quote, medical waste of a nearby abortion facility. Some children in California one day were playing on a hillside, came across the bodies of aborted babies. In Philadelphia, where now jailed abortionist Kermit Gosnell carried out his deadly practice for decades, one of the workers said that there were body parts that would come up out of the, out of the drain in the sewage, body parts would come up. Workers in California back in the 1980s came across a, a gigantic container in which were 16,500 bodies of aborted babies. Brothers and sisters, what is going on here? One of the questions that many who have had abortions and we minister to them as Part of Rachel's Vineyard, which is under our umbrella of Priests for Life, the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion. And the women and men of our Silent No More campaign, those who've had abortions and speak out about it. One of the questions that they often raise, that they tell us that they ask themselves over and over again and that they agonized about after they had their abortion. Okay, so they get rid of the problem. And they justify it with all kinds of words and phrases. But where are the bodies? They ask themselves, where did the bodies go? Because a very powerful aspect of generating life and being a parent is to be able to hold the body of your child. Where, where's the body now? As they wrestle with the fact that they had that child killed, the body, what did it do? Just vanish into thin air? Does somebody wave a 
magic wand, a magic eraser, and the body just vanished? It didn't just vanish. One of the things the abortion workers have to do is put the pieces of the body back together in a tray after those pieces are suctioned or, or, or taken out with forceps. Why? Because if some piece is left inside of that woman, she's subject to infection, hemorrhage, or death. Make sure you got all the pieces out. And then, again, as I said, they're either incinerated, flushed down the toilet, or thrown out in the dumpster with the rest of the day's garbage. And this is where a lot of these bodies of, of aborted babies have been found. Sometimes by accident, sometimes by the deliberate effort of pro-life people over the decades to carry out what our Catholic faith identifies as a corporal work of mercy, to bury the dead. And so pro-life people have gone to the dumpsters and grabbed these, these bodies. And I've been involved in many of the efforts to bury these babies. And as I said at the outset, I said, well, once they are buried, we can't forget about them. In fact, this is one of the key ways of building a culture of life, is to stay connected with the humanity of these children by staying connected with a key aspect of that humanity, their bodies. Brothers and sisters, the National Day of Remembrance is a day when we remember the babies and we remember that these babies have bodies and that the body is personal and that the body that was disrespected by the abortion industry, that was disrespected by those who decided often more through the pressure of others than their own freedom but decided nonetheless to have an abortion. That was the, the that was the exploitation of those bodies. It's the abortion industry that exploits those bodies by using the destruction of them to make money, by pretending that they aren't human. It's the abortion industry guilty of the harm done here, the insult to human dignity. And brothers and sisters, uh, it is a purpose of the Day of Remembrance to make reparation. And that's why these services are public. That's why, by the way, the funerals, when aborted babies have been discovered in the trash, and, and that will continue to happen, the funerals of these babies should be public because a deed that was done in secret, a killing that was done under the cover of secrecy, justified by an appeal to privacy, that's where the exploitation took place. Now to make reparation, let us honor them in the bright light of day. The violence took place under cover of darkness. The reparation for the violence should take place in the bright light of day. And that's why today, in the bright sunlight, in many different places, in many different cemeteries, in front of many different churches, in the bright light of day, we will say, yes, we recognize these bodies buried in this place. We recognize them. 
as manifestations of God's glory and manifested in every human person. We recognize these as the bodies of our brothers and sisters. We recognize these as the same bodies that we have, the same human nature, the same bodies, united in Christ, in whose fleshly body we, through His death, have reconciliation with God, as St. Paul declared today to the Colossians. The same bodies that Christ Jesus will raise from the dead on the last day, the same bodies that He will sit with Him on His throne, like Revelation 3.21 tells us, to the victor I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. The human body will be honored forever. God took on a human body. God fills your body and mine with His Holy Spirit. He makes our bodies His dwelling place. He unites our bodies with His flesh, makes us members of the body of Christ. And our bodies will live and reign forever with Christ. Why then would we have any reason to be ashamed of these bodies, of the aborted baby and babies? And I use the word ashamed because that's how some people act. Even people who claim to be pro-life, who claim to be against abortion, they act as though there's something to be afraid of or ashamed of when it comes to the human bodies of these babies. Now, you know, years ago, in fact, it was 2016, I made a video that caught a lot of attention. It still gets attention today because people can't seem to get their minds around it. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking even about pro-life people. I'm talking about some people who pretend to be pro-life and, and they haven't quite resolved the abortion issue in their minds, who criticized me for showing on a video the bodies, the, well, the body of, of, of an aborted baby and appealing to people at that time, it was just before the 2016 election, I said, well, th this, is, this is abortion. This is the reality of abortion. Let's elect people who are going to be willing to prevent this violence and protect babies just like this. Because the problem with Abortion continuing is uh, that uh, it's uh, talked about in the abstract. It's talked about as if it were just a matter of viewpoints. It's not just viewpoints. It's victims. It's talked about as if it were just a matter of beliefs. It's not about just beliefs. It's about bloodshed. So I showed the baby. I never apologize for showing these babies. I never have apologized. I never will apologize for showing the aborted baby. One of the things that became problematic was that I was using a table which we also used as an altar. It was in our previous headquarters and uh, it wasn't an altar like you have in church. It wasn't a consecrated altar. And that wasn't even the point. Other people started to make a big deal about that. And I, when they wrote, raised the point, I answered the point. No, it's not a consecrated altar. It's a table. You know, we priests and those of you who are out there who know priests that travel around and speaking all the time and they go into staying in hotel rooms, and, and, and sometimes they'll say Mass right there in the hotel room. They don't have any other option sometimes, practically speaking, or a priest visiting at home might say Mass at home. And so they use a table. There's plenty of, plenty of tables out there in plenty of hotel rooms on which Mass has been properly and reverently celebrated. And you can do that. But some people wanted to make a big deal of that. And what really fascinates me is how they use the word desecrate. 
And this really reflects, brothers and sisters, a profound darkness in the souls of those who complained about this. How on earth does the image of God, how on earth does the human body, the sacred human body of an innocent little baby in the womb desecrate anything? Nobody's ever given me an answer to that question. There is no desecration. First of all, there wasn't an altar. But to imagine that there is a desecration going on here? Shame on anybody that said that. Shame on anybody that thought that. Shame especially on religious leaders who said that. There's something wrong with these people, brothers and sisters, that they think an innocent aborted baby desecrates anything. You want to talk about somebody who's desecrating? It's the abortionist desecrating the sacred image of God, the property of God in that little baby, in that little baby's body. No, no, no. No, no. We will never apologize for showing what an aborted baby is. And we will never apologize for celebrating memorial services for these babies, for celebrating their funerals in the bright light of day. It's got to be a public event. And coming together today at the grave sites of these children from coast to coast and saying to our society, we must never, we may never forget them. Using this furthermore as a moment for healing, for public mourning. We think of our our men and women of the Silent No More campaign, many of them will gather at these grave sites mourning their own abortions, expressing solidarity with all others who mourn the baby they could never hold. And we want this day to be a day of healing, a day by which their grief is joined with ours. We want this to be a prophetic day. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. One day, our whole society will mourn openly and bitterly. Like Peter, after he denied Christ three times, Scripture says he, not just that he wept, he wept bitterly. We as a society will weep, but we will weep bitterly when we realize what has been done, what has been permitted in this murdering, this holocaust of human children in the womb. This is the beginning of the morning. Having a day of remembrance like this is the beginning. It's a prophecy of the day where all will be immersed in a deep and bitter mourning. Because God will allow through the power of His Spirit a conviction on the hearts and minds of His people. A conviction not yet achieved. A conviction of a people who are yet in darkness, yet under the deception of the culture of death. But that day will come when the light and the truth will break forth and the morning will begin because the hearts will be broken as the minds are open. And we will weep and weep and weep for these children killed in darkness. And we will honor them in the bright light of day. And so this day of remembrance is like a, a breaking through ahead of time of that light of day into the darkness of the abortion industry, a breaking, a revelation, a lifting aside of the veil 
And if we have the strength to take it, just a little glimpse at those broken bodies that are the reflection of the image of God. May you have a blessed day of remembrance. Take time. Take time today at rememberaboardedchildren.org and, and read this, read, see the videos, read the stories, remember these children, and let's pray. Lord, there are no words to express the grief that we should have over abortion. Simply no words. We unite ourselves with the pain of these children. Many of them were killed by painful abortion. Some of them were not able to feel that pain. Others were. But Lord God, we pray for the pain also of the moms and dads and grandparents and friends and abortionists and everyone else who recognizes what an abortion is. Lord, we unite that pain with you today. Lord, we pray for the healing of all those who have been in any way complicit in abortions. We pray for their healing today. We mourn with them, we grieve with them, and we turn to you with them with confidence in your mercy. May this National Day of Remembrance awaken our society to the evil in our midst. And may we, Lord, find in you the answer to all of our prayers. Bless the needs of your people, whether physical or spiritual, relational, financial, whatever their needs may be. Reconcile us all to one another and to you. And strengthen our efforts to build a culture of life, a civilization of love, a kingdom of truth. And we pray now in the words taught to us by our Savior. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Friends, thank you. God bless you on this day of remembrance. And Please uh, do support our ministry. You know, I, as I mentioned at the outset, uh, conceived of this day years ago, and we're constantly uh, in that mode of, of thinking about new efforts, new activities, new projects that can be done for the culture of life. But keep our team strong through not only your prayers and your participation in our projects, but also your financial help, which you can give us at ProLifeGift.org. That's ProLifeGift.org. Or call our office. Be in touch with us at 321-500-1000, 321-500-1000. We look forward to hearing from you. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.